0: Um, so we've been working through Philippians, and um, we've got to the beginning of Philippians 3 last week, and I'm going to do the second part of chapter 3 from Philippians, um, which is a, a letter written by Paul when he was in prison, and in, in this one he is writing uh, with lots of enthusiasm and encouragement for the Philippian church for all the great things they're doing and to encourage them to do more, um, and the key words are to press on towards the goal in this passage. So sort of running the race, which I thought was quite appropriate really considering what's going on in London at the moment today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm sorry, had you been there and won it, you would have won, I think, £39,000 because it's thirty-nine, just over 39 kilometres. I'll come to that later. Um, So reading today's passage got me thinking about uh, momentum, hence the little sort of clip up there to try and explain what momentum is. Um, Paul's been praising them for all the things that they're doing as a Philippian church, and he's encouraging them to press on and forwards and do even more to fulfill their potential. And so he's encouraging them with all the exciting things that are still to come. I'm going to break down today's talk into three key things. They might seem a little bit random. It's going to involve um, a race, a rose, and restoration. So on a slightly more, um, maybe biblical terms, looking at heavenly goals, growing spiritually, being transformed, and then sharing the good news. That's the momentum size of it. So believe it or not, when I was young, I did do some gymnastics, not quite to this level, although, oh, level before, Um, but my brother did. He was in the GB youth team um, for Hawks. And so for gymnastics, he used to have to train five times a week at least after school, um, and practice all those backflips and for you know, somersaults and the like. But you could never do it standing still, you had to get moving and build momentum, and then you could do those more complicated flips and backflips. So, part of what I'm talking about is going to be the momentum side of things. But thinking about running as my starting point, I had to go back five years to find a picture of me running the um, Bristol 10K. I'm not much of a runner, I don't enjoy it greatly. But I did do that, and I did it for Love Running. So I'm going to ask you three questions, one to get us going. Can you turn to the person next to you? Can you remember the last time you ran or ran in a race and how that felt? Go for it. One. Would you share wow. Oh, I like that, Um, Oh, I've got two here. Go on, Chaz. Swimming race with the kids. <laughs> Ran with the kids. Okay. So it may not have been a grand 10K race. It may not have been the London Marathon, but it might have been uh, just running to catch your kids before they disappeared. Um, or the grandchildren. So I I could take this route, I've read this passage and I've heard people talk on it before and they've very much gone down the sort of running as a race, a bit like um, the GB Women's Relay team, you know, sort of everyone pulling together, running the race and what you can achieve together as a team. But I'm not. I'm actually going to take more of an individual look this morning about how we, the races that we run individually. But let's actually read the passage together. So this is what it says in the second part of Philippians 3. It says, Paul says, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already obtained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction and their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await the Saviour from here. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, to whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Now you might recognise in this next picture, um, we've got, there you go, do you spot who's in the middle of there? It's Chris Paulson. So um, he's not, it's going back a couple of weeks now, but he was running for hands at work and he did one called the Comrades Run in South Africa. And it wasn't a mere 39 kilometres like the London Marathon. This was one race. There was nine. It was yeah, 90 kilometers long. So imagine doing a marathon, and then going around again and doing another marathon, and then still doing another 10k all in one go. So at this point, when the photograph was taken, he looks looked pretty happy. By the end of it, he tells me he would lost two toenails, <laughs> and could hardly walk over the finish line. But he did it um, to raise. So yeah, it, it was. It was fantastic what he did, and he trained and trained a lot to get to that point where he could do it. Um, and, but I, I sort of picked this picture because there are parallels between the passage that we read and how we live our spiritual lives, how we train spiritually, how we um, press on towards that goal, that heavenly goal. So thinking about it in spiritual terms, you know, our spiritual life, it, it can be really tough, like running a marathon. We have to be disciplined. We have to be obedient to our calling from God. We have to work out our faith in the practical things that we do. We need to gradually train to build our strength and our stamina. Sometimes we'll run alongside others. We'll encourage them. We'll help them on the way. Sometimes we might sort of hit that wall if you get on a marathon. We hit painful and difficult times. We might have to recover from injuries and hurts or people that hurt us and keep going. And when we run the race, we'll need to know where we're going. We will need a guide to show us the right way so that we don't get lost. And ultimately, what is this goal that we're running towards? It's to be with Christ. And we have that certainty of eternity with him. But even if our heart might desire more than anything else in these tough times, we still have this promise that God has called us to now. So as we actually walk our spiritual lives and get to know God, Jesus personally transforms us. We learn to accept what God is saying to us, how he's teaching us. So I'm not sure if at the moment you could say, I've got some spiritual goals, or I've got one spiritual goal I'm trying to work on at the moment. I've, there's a, a little image here of coming up of, um, oh, not that one. I was looking for the one of the vines, actually. Um, because on on the, um when we have, yeah, there we are. It's actually a picture of vines. It's a bit difficult to see. But the vines are trained. And so having some spiritual disciplines, having some spiritual goals in our life is a bit like having that training of a vine. So we got some sort of guidance, some rules, some direction we're going in. Without it, vines will just ramble around on the ground, and they're not nearly as fruitful. So I would encourage you, if you have some of those spiritual disciplines in your life where you decide to work on one of them, it's like training yourself along that vine, and you will become more fruitful in the things that you do. You won't get distracted away by other influences, which Paul also talked about, the other people that might sort of distract you from leading the right way, living the right life. So I'm going to go from running. I'm going to stick to the plant analogy now. Um, When thinking about Paul, to me, he's a bit like a grand old oak tree. You know, mature, deep roots. He's withstood so many storms and shipwrecks and, you know, difficult times and being in prison Yet he's also got the fruit. So the acorns to me are like the fruit of the words. His, his message, his letters, his spreading of the gospel are like those fruit, those acorns, which again in turn would grow into grand oaks. And we benefit from those acorns, those, that letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians, we can benefit from now as well. So here comes the second question. If you could think about your spiritual life at the moment, or perhaps how you would like it to be, and you were to think about that in terms of a plant or a flower, What plant or flower would you choose to represent your spiritual life at the moment? See if you can turn to the person next to you and see if they've got one. I know it's harder. Has anyone got one they'd like to share? Oh, right at the back, okay. Uh, Like a harvest grow. Yeah. Because it's refreshing and growing. Lovely, the the, the refreshment and the growing. I like that, thank you. Um, so I, I picked one for, for myself when I was thinking about this one. If we go to the next slide, this is where that uh, yeah, the rose comes in. Because <laughs> I, um, I said this to Joseph, and he said, well, I don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> a climbing rose, to me, it grows vigorously and strong. And it, when it grows, it becomes smothered in small flowers. And often they're quite highly scented as well. But they're beautiful in the garden. And I would like, I'm not saying I'm necessarily there, but I would like my spiritual journey to be one full of growth and life and fruit as well, to have that blossom, to be something that's beautiful and attractive to others. But then I was thinking about it, I thought, actually, I also quite liked a bonsai tree. Um, because that sense of actually, I want my spiritual life to have that little bit of discipline. Maybe sometimes I need that little bit of pruning to make me the right shape. Or perhaps I want a bit of both. I want to be wild and vigorous in my spiritual growth, but also actually have a degree of, of control over it. Yeah, just a thought. You might not quite have got there to work out which plant you want to be, but um, maybe today that will come to mind. So I've got two examples I want to bring up of um, people who um, work for Hands at Work, because I got this off the Facebook page. And I just like the way that they were talking about their spiritual growth and how God works in their lives. So the first one, this is, yeah, so I think it's Rita, and I'll go for Rita. But she said, Every day I'm learning new things at hands, and it's been a good journey for me. I've grown spiritually in the things of God and learned to trust in God. The rhythms that we have, like prayer meetings, ladies' prayer group, and small groups, where we dig deep into the word of God, have really helped my spiritual growth. I've learned to put all my trust in God, because our plans are not always God's plans. Sometimes we may want to run away from the storms that come in our lives, but I've learned to put my faith in the Lord, knowing that the Lord is in control of my life. And then the next one is, um, I'm going to say "Sipawe," but I'm not entirely sure. But she said, I first learned of Hands at Work in 2017, while selling dough bread outside the local school. When I heard more about what they did, I decided that I wanted to be part of this, and I had the desire to help children in my community. That choice has given me a renewed sense of life. That is particularly the case when we come together as care workers and discuss the Word of God. It always encourages me, whenever I'm faced with life's challenging circumstances, I can remember our time together, and that the Word of God says... And that helps me to get through those difficult times. My heart is to continue this beautiful work the Lord has called us into until the very end. Isn't that amazing? You talk about pressing on to the goal that God's given us, looking hen- heavenward, that sense of spiritual growth of being encouraged by meeting with each other, about reading God's word, about having some spiritual disciplines in really tough and difficult circumstances. I've been there, I've, I've visited... Um, Eswatini, where that lady's from working with those children is really tough, their circumstances you know they literally are trying to find enough food to survive each day and the care workers at the care point provide that for them but it's amazing how that strength comes from from God, from actually they're not striving in their own strength, they've got that strength coming from God and they've got that spiritual growth that comes too so here comes the third question um, again, a slightly different tact this time. Um, I'm going to go for an art one. This is, um, that was a poem by A.A. A. Milne about Winnie the Pooh, about sitting halfway up the stairs, which I quite liked. And I had a go at doing it artistically. Um, and some of you might recognise Hosanna. That was done back in 2018, that people took canvases home and then painted the different letters from this church, and we put up Hosanna. I don't know if anybody in here recognises one that they might have done. I'm trying to think who did them? It was quite a while ago. Um, But it was beautiful. It was an opportunity to be creative as a church. So here's my question to you. Can you think about the last time you tried to do something creative or artistic that you were pleased with? Tell the person next to you. Go on then, has anybody got one they're happy to share? Something creative they might have done and how they felt about it. Got Dawn, right at the back. My poem, which is in the mead, called Inspiration. Inspiration? I'll have to look at that one and read it. I haven't read that. Thank you. Dawn's poem that was in the mead. Okay, so... It's not always easy. I'm, I'm not particularly <laughs> good at being creative. So actually when we, we looked at this at home group this week, what came up was um, the frustration sometimes of doing art. When you give something a go and it, it doesn't quite work out. Um, so I, I would say that you know, perhaps we do face difficult things and sometimes we have a go at things that are outside our comfort zone. And sometimes it's frustrating, but don't give up. You know, We don't stop ever doing art ever again. We can try and be creative. We can try and have that success. So, um, but in Paul's message, he says, one thing that I do is to forget what's behind and strain towards what is ahead, to not let things hold us back. When um, we went to New Wine in the summer, uh, it was a Christian conference, Kath Ella went to do an art activity, and part of that is this thing called kensuki. So they literally took a plate, smashed it, and then glued it back together, and then painted it. And it's, it's a Japanese art form that they use. So I, try not to break it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so some, sometimes our past experiences can left, leave us feeling a bit broken, can't they? You no, know, we've been a bit dropped, a bit damaged. Things have come along and they've hurt us. Sometimes it's our own clumsiness that's caused that to happen. Maybe we've upset somebody. But here in Paul's letter, there's there's a different one. There's one of a promise of renewal, of healing, of a goal to come for. So that Kensuki idea of the brokenness of our lives, I don't think we ever really forget the brokenness. I think that becomes part of us. But I think God can actually heal us and bring us back together and re-glue us and make us something even more beautiful and attractive in in who we are. Um, And that gives us the confidence to move forwards in who we are and what we do. So, momentum. I did start momentum, didn't I? How do these things come together? Paul is encouraging us to live our lives like citizens of heaven, to celebrate the joy that comes from keeping our focus on that final goal. We can be free from the things that have slowed us down, have held us back. We can commit ourselves to following not just Paul's example, but the words from the Bible that we can actually learn spiritually, we can develop spiritually, we can have that desire to work for God, to serve him. And out of that comes the fruit, comes the beauty of those rose flowers, if you like, or the fruit of the acorn. It creates in us a passion and a desire to do more. When we have that spiritual growth, we suddenly, it's like, oh, can I get involved in that? Can I do this one? I want to be able to have that conversation at work with that person or it, it comes out of our own spiritual momentum and desire. Things that might otherwise seem daunting suddenly become easier because we've got that momentum with us and the Holy Spirit obviously comes with us and guides us and strengthens us in that. So Paul says join together in following my example brothers and sisters and just as you have us as a model keep your eyes on those who live as we do. And stand firm when the going gets tough. Stand firm in the Lord, in his ways, dear friends. We need to have our own spiritual goals and aspirations to look to the future, to desire to grow in wisdom. And as we blossom and bear fruit, so we'll start to come together. A bit like those women at Hands at Work who saw the good being done and wanted to join in and be part of it and commit their lives and run that race to the end and in a a slightly unsubtle plug you know we've got an opportunity haven't we as a church coming up which is the single parents fair very soon and that's an opportunity for for each of us to bring our own momentum into making something happen if i was putting it on my own it wouldn't happen i couldn't do it i'm not even organizing it i will come behind the scenes and i will put my momentum into helping it happen fortunately there are people who are good at organizing it do that sort of thing But it takes all of us to put a bit of momentum in and then we can achieve something even greater for this community that we're in. And that's just one example, isn't it? We can start to propel and move each other forwards in an even greater way and actually enjoy and love doing it at the same time.